Hey, it's Bryn Andre, and you're listening to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. Welcome to episode number 26 of the Minnesota Music Shakedown, a podcast dedicated to spinning some of the best original Twin Cities and beyond area music. Featured this week are conversations with Eric and Layla from the Sunny Era about their new album, The Sky King, then a talk with Bryn Andre about her new album, Honeymoon, plus new music by Eli Gardner. I'm your host, Mark Sterry. Check me out at MarkSterryMusic.com, and thank you for supporting live and local music. Hey, this is Eli Gardner, and you're listening to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. This is called People of the Bear. Oh, 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 
Eli Gardner with the song People of the Bear from his All new right. album Live in Minneapolis. Interview coming soon. Next up is Eric and Layla from the Sunny Era talking about the new album The Sky King. Afterwards, check out the new single, The Show. Eric and Layla Stainbrook from the Sunny Era. Welcome to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. How's it going today there, guys? Great. It's going great. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yes. Where are you guys coming from? We live in Eden Prairie. We live in Minneapolis. Okay. That's awesome. Um, how did your CD release show go at the Amsterdam? Oh, that was super fun. Yeah, it was a great time. We had a lot of fun. We had Brian Just with us and uh, the better years. So it was super fun. When was that again? June 15th, Yeah, I think. I think so, yeah. What is yeah. time? It time feels <laughs> like yesterday, but also I think it was about a month ago. Uh, yeah, but we, we, you know, we had played out maybe once or twice post-COVID, but it's it's been a while, so it felt really good to get on stage with the new tunes and our current band lineup and, and get our songs out there. Cool. Who's in the her- current band lineup? Yeah, so it's myself and Layla, and we have a drummer, John Isdo, 
And two twin brothers, uh, Pat and Tony Zampona play. Pat plays guitar and Tony plays bass. Uh-huh. Nice. You guys got any other big shows coming up this summer? We do. We have a couple of daytime all-ages shows at the White Squirrel in St. Paul. Um, I believe September 30th and October 29th. I think those are the two daytime shows coming up, and they'll be on our website, thesunnyera.com. So. Cool. So where'd you get the name The Sunny Era? Oh, my gosh. Good question. Yeah, that was a long time ago. We've been playing since 2001. Um, so more early than 20 years. Two, early yeah. 2000s. I always, when people ask me, how long have you been a band? I say 10 years, and that is dramatically wrong at this point <laughs> in time. Yeah. But you came up with the name. Yeah, it was a song name that yeah. I had, and I was just writing music on my own, and mm-hmm. it became the name of the band. It was a song name that I had that I don't even remember the song, really, but... Uh, I thought it was pretty cool, and I thought it kind of showed what our music was about in some ways, and also the opposite of what our music is about in some ways. So, thought it was cool. So, how did your band start up? Um, so, I played. I met uh, Pat in music school at the U of M in the early two thousands, um, and we played together. We I played drums in a band that he started with his brother Tony, and. Uh, I've known them for a long time and we kind of made the transition to myself singing and playing guitar and Pat is lead guitar. I play more rhythm style guitar and, and Tony plays bass still. And then got married to Layla, met her in music school as well. And uh, John, I met at a previous job that I had. So, yeah. Yeah. And we, we should say we were a three piece for a very Long, yeah, very time, long time, just with, I think, life changes and people, mm-hmm. you know, going to, one went to grad school, had families. So for a very long time, it was Eric and I and another drummer named Rob Full, who now lives in Ohio. And we, we got yeah, really we comfortable yep, touring and, and playing as a three piece and, and doing, doing that. But this is now a little, little bit, a little bit different. It's been, been fun. Awesome. Who's some of your guys' influences, like Minnesota influences when you started up all the way through now? Oh yeah, that's kind of a funny story because we just played the White Squirrel the other day um, on a regular evening last show week. last Thursday. Yep, and we had Rob and Kyle open the show for us. He's from, he's in a band it's called Ballet. He was they don't play anymore, but they were a big influence on us when we early were, 2000s. Yeah, when we were just starting up, and and yep. uh, we got to meet him, and he and he played with us. He's doing a solo set now. He's Rob and Kyle. He just released a CD. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Oh, you got some more? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Else. We, I think, like locally. Yeah. I know like Trampled by Turtles oh, totally. is a yeah. big one I love with yeah. the strings and definitely a little more kind of um, folks and country than we do, but with the, the mandolin and the violin, I think low too, you know, a husband yeah. and wife duo and just some of the almost like more orchestral writing they do where the music might come first before the lyrics in some, in some cases, not all cases. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. I think nationally, you know, some of these bands, it's been a while, but Devotchka and Arcade Fire. And again, oh, yeah. you know, I, now I play the violin in the band and the keyboard, but there was a great long period of time there when I was also lugging an accordion and a clarinet on stage. And I think with our, our background in classical music too, not all of us, but a few of us, we like to infuse the, the different sounds of different instruments and tambours. Klezmer style. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I'm from a very small town in Wisconsin, and there was this ex-pilot that hung out around town, and my dad had this hardware store, and he wore this big, huge plume feather in his hat. 
<laughs> and he was kind of a loud guy. I'm not sure if he's even still alive or not, but very popular fella. And his nickname was the Sky King. Oh, I'm well, guessing, well, you say more about that. I'm yeah. guessing <laughs> that you didn't write your new album about him, but that was what it made me think of is Sky King. So yeah. tell us about like how your album started out. What was the impetus of that? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the. You know, the all the albums of late, it's kind of a COVID album, but we did start to write it before COVID. Um, but yeah. we didn't really have a drummer. We weren't sure about guitar and, you know, bass. We It was just kind of the two of us at first. We had been playing with Pat and Tony, but then Rob moved to Ohio and then we kind of COVID sat down happened. and yeah, and then COVID happened and it was all over, yeah. you know. So um, so we just kept writing stuff and, and one of them ended up being called The Sky King. And it was about, it's about the... You know the Bombardier Q400 incident in Seattle. The guy that that which is a pilot, right? Yeah, he, he was, was a pilot. pilot. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a sad story. I mean, what was know, what's the story now? So he was I don't know. He had some some issues and maybe and mental he, health issues. Yeah, maybe yeah. mental health issues or yeah. something. And and he was struggling with some things and, and uh, took a <laughs> Q400, a huge passenger uh, twin engine turboprop airplane, and crashed it into an island in Ketron Island in Seattle. And, and it was, and they have all, it's all recorded. It's all, everything's out there. Like uh, from a, you know, tower perspective, them talking to him, him talking back. And I just kind of immersed myself into like his world of what was going on. And it was tragic. And he was kind of of a neat guy though. Like when they're talking to him, he sounded like a cool guy. He just was struggling with a lot of things. And mm-hmm. it was very interesting. It was a very interesting juxtaposition of things going on. He was like, not sad on when he, when he was talking about all this stuff and, but, but what he was going through was tremendously sad apparently. Mm-hmm. And it was an interesting thing. And I, and I just was like, I'm going to write a song like that, you know, and it's kind of a weird rocker song, but, um, but I thought the title was cool and I thought it kind of went with the theme of the album of what we've lost along the way and what we gain along the way and things that kind of fly away from us unexpectedly sometimes. So, yeah. Interesting. Who did your guys' artwork for the Sky King? It's got some swans oh, yeah. on the cover, right? And it's like a building in the back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we, we, uh, there's a piece of artwork in, in, uh, in the three three one, northeast Minneapolis, northeast Minneapolis, in the, it's a in the bar. bar. Yep, and it's a picture. It's the it's the image that's on one of our previous albums. It's a big picture of a deer on a like in a cityscape, almost like post apocalyptic. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. And it's painted on a door in the three three one. It's painted on a closet door, <laughs> and it's hanging up on yeah. the wall. And it's really cool. I and mean, we were we we went there. We played there a bunch, that. and we yep. always loved it. So we asked the owner of the bar if we could take some photographs of that. And we got that permission and we did that. And then we talked to the artist to get permission from the artist. The artist is John Bowman. Yeah. And he's an art professor on the East Coast. Um, super cool guy. Super great guy. And I was like, hey, we would love to have this piece of artwork for it. And you know what? I also like this swan piece of swan artwork. Would you, could, could we maybe use that in the future at some point? This was years ago. We started and, a relationship with yeah. him with the first one, sent yep. him some music and got to know him a little bit. Yeah. Really nice, cool guy. Yeah. yeah. And then he sent us the the master files for the Swan piece. And I was like, this is the best. All right, cool. And he was super cool about it. He gave us full permission. And yeah, we sent him all kinds of cool merch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
That's oh, great. Yeah. That, that's a great story. No, it's a cool cover. It stuck out right away, and that's that's a that's a neat explanation for it. Um, where do you, where did you guys record your album at? So we have a studio in our house here, um, uh-huh. a full recording studio downstairs. So uh-huh. uh, we did it, all the tracking here. We did the mastering. Where did we do the mastering this time around? Is Nashville? I think we yeah. sent it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. We. We used to master here. We've tried a lot of mastering engineers. Roger Seibel was always our favorite out in Arizona, but he retired, he retired yeah. and we're still kind of walking around finding mastering engineers around the, the States here and beyond. <laughs> so when you guys track at your house, like do you come up with the demos like over a click track, then have like the drummer yeah, come in? So- What's your process of putting together your record? I know it's a lot of uh, vocal harmony, vocals, stuff like that. How do you, yeah, uh, that's, how do you piece yeah, together your that. songs? Yeah. Um, so I usually write them and lay everything down with myself. Guitar. With everything. Piano, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And just a rough, you know, over, over a click, usually I'll focus on my guitar part and play that mm-hmm. primarily and get that, you know, studio quality. But then with the rest of the stuff, I'll just throw everything in there and then I'll present it to the band and say, Hey, what do you think about this one? What do you think about that one? And then when, we ran through, we had about 50 songs this time around. We had a ton and we narrowed it down. And then I just erased everything except for what I recorded. And then we started again. <clears throat> and, and with that, it's pretty cool, you know, especially like with bass and drums, but also Pat and I with the kind of auxiliary instruments, we then get to have a foundation to kind of write, write our parts. And I think something as we've just talked to other musicians, that's, different with our process is we do often start with the music and the vocals last. Although Eric, you write all the lyrics, you start with your line. Then I kind of come up with the harmonies. We work together, workshop that together, but we often start with the music first and then, or sometimes you'll have like a really rough vocal track, like where there's voice (laughs) vocals, where there's not, but the words often come last. And I feel like you kind of shape the stories as the, like after we kind of feel like where the music is and where it's going to go and your approach of finding like the Sky King story, like stories out there, like, you know, it's maybe a little, little bit less personal stories and more things that you just kind of find and are thinking about and interested about in some cases. Yeah. So it's a very, uh, it's a very layered process and one that worked well during COVID with us living here together, we got to collaborate very easily in the evenings when our kids are in bed and we had our, you know, one at a time would have band members come over and just like lay down some tracks, send things, send things around. So yeah, we were in no hurry. So it worked well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wasn't the fastest process and it was a little little different, but, but it was fun. Yeah. That's awesome. So a couple of the songs I liked on the album, I'm just curious, like the story behind the song or how'd you track it or that kind of stuff. I like the Sky King one, but I re- my favorites were the start and end we know, and then the feelings, those two songs. And I was hoping yeah. to spin these ones on the podcast. And yeah. what's the story behind those two songs? And what you can tell us who played on them, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So in all all of the tunes, I think we all played on. Yeah. I don't think there was any extra. There weren't any extra musicians that came in or anything. Nope. It was pretty. Yeah. Pretty straightforward from that perspective. Um, the, the five start, of us. And the start end, we know. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. It starts mm-hmm. the album off, and I think we actually, I think we play those two live really well. Um, yeah, they've been in all our shows. They've yeah. Been fun to play. And the feelings is especially cool with the pedal steel that Pat plays. Um, so he plays guitar and pedal steel, and those are the two instruments that he plays. Yeah. I think the feelings is really neat because of that layered 
uh, a pedal steel with a theremin in the background. I played the theremin on a lo- almost all of the tracks, uh, just as kind of an ambient background kind of thing. Um, and I think how those two things play together is really cool. But it's mostly, you know, about somebody walking through their day and how they're feeling and like the things that they're thinking about and going through kind of on a daily basis, more than like one particular thing that happened. I felt like it was a little bit more cloudy in that way. And I kind of liked that. It went with the song mm-hmm. and the lyrics and they, they don't exactly tell a cohesive story, but it's a story about just somebody walking through their day and all the things that they're thinking and, and uh, dealing with, you know, and then the start and ending note is kind of the opposite. It's like a concrete sequential the, this, we know what's going to happen. We know everything from the beginning to the end. And have we, did we take this, did we take what we've done too far? And, and I kind of leave it to the listener to decide what it's about for them. Um, and I, I like to make up the story in my brain rather than use like a real life perspective when writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a story about somebody that is, maybe gone too far in a relationship and they don't know what to do next. And they know that it'll probably end, but not sure where or if it will end at all. So mm-hmm. yeah. Who came ambiguous. up and recorded that uh, cool U2 Kings of Leon guitar part? Oh, that's Pat. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Pat, Pat Zamponia. Pat, yeah. Pat's awesome. Yeah. Pat's awesome. He's, he's a, he's a great guitar, guitar player. Yeah. He majored in guitar in college. That was like his big thing. And he played a lot of, he played in a lot of cover bands. I played in a couple of cover bands with him back in the day. What cover so he's bands? Got, he's got a. <laughs> no, I don't even. What know did you do? What cover band were you in? Oh, oh, you played. I was in drums, saxophone. I played drums in one of his cover bands. I played saxophone in another one. I don't even remember the names of them. Honestly, it was so long ago. But yeah. but they. I mean, they played at Chi Chi's and you know back in the day, like all the rest, all the restaurant gigs is yeah. hilarious. You know. Yeah. But people loved it, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, he has a he has a toolbox of a lot of sounds in his. And he's a kind of guy like he's been in bands since he could talk, hold a guitar. Yeah. Like, and he just I feel like every practice he comes down and he's got a riff of some like yeah. some song he's just listening to, or yeah. whether it's Nirvana, Vampire. He'll just Weekend, start playing Vampire, got, Vampire Weekend this week, this last yeah, weekend. I was Metallica. Like, what I'm like, what is what is he listening to now? Yeah, he's like, a super ACDC. talented guitar player. Yeah, yeah. super. When piecing this album together, did you guys have any particular artists or albums you were trying to emulate or trying to like sprinkle on your material? I think this was maybe the first album that we've ever written where we didn't really do that. Don't you feel like that? Maybe. We were trying less to emulate and more just to do. Give everybody their strength of what they play. Like I said, when I record everything, I do throw in maybe an idea for a guitar part or a violin part, but I just erase it and say, do your thing, you know? And and I think that was Mm -hmm. really neat. Cause then, I mean, Pat came in with those cool, I mean, I don't think he's ever played anything like that before on any of the other albums, which I thought was awesome. It was really neat to see because he's a very dynamic player. And, and doing that, I think in that way we can, we hear things and we mix them listening to other bands. Um, but I don't know that we really wrote it in the style yeah. of a lot of other things. I think we just kind of continued on. Yeah. With what we, 
I, th- I think so doing- too. And I think we, since we were a three piece for so long and had so many more instruments, like, cause I, you know, like I said, I was hauling like four things. You had mandolin too. It was there. We, we, had lo- the we were looping all the time. It was maybe yeah. less vocally driven even. And I think yeah. with, it's kind of allowed us to shift into maybe a more somewhat standard rock setup. And so I think like I started to sing more and more with you and it's something that we started to have just fun doing yeah. together. So that was been something cool and fun and different to explore this time. The, yeah. The harmonies and more of like thinking of ourselves almost as equal vocalists versus very sparse background parts that I would kind of sprinkle in before. This is more of like the interplay of our voices or we have the like call and response in some of our songs has been totally new and different. Yeah, the very first album I wrote was just me only. Yeah. Everything, you know, vocals, everything, you know, and, and then... The next album, we kind of did it and kind of did it and kind of, but this time I really think we nailed it with how you're singing your vocal parts yeah. equally. And things like Head in the Heart and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, there are like bands like that out in the <clears throat> world that we've heard that's like, oh, that could be something yeah. fun, just a different muscle to flex to. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the unique sound, I thought, was the yeah. vocals going together the entire time. That's it gave it like your guys' unique sound, I thought. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Thanks for for saying that. Yeah. It's it's been interesting to see how people will perceive it and people who have known us and come to shows. It's like, well, you're going to hear something a little different than you did 10 years ago, but hope you like it. We're digging it. We like it.
would like to take a minute or two to thank the two sponsors of this week's podcast, ID Chrysler Zombrota and the BDL Club. ID Chrysler Zombrota, man, it's been a scorcher this summer, but I'm staying nice and cool. Bouncing from show to show, camp to camp, dog job to jog job in my new Cherokee X. I get from ID Chrysler and Zombrota and Monir, my brother, I still love this vehicle. Their philosophy is simple, time-saving, hassle-free, fair price. Check out their inventory at ZombrotaCDJR.com or take the beautiful drive down US 52 to 1900 Roscoe Avenue, Zombrota, Minnesota to visit them in person. Business hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 9 to 5 p.m. Closed on Sundays. Check out ID Chrysler Zombrota today. Enjoy safe summer season. Looking forward to fall, though, the break this heat. Full of adventures and memories out in that open road in a new ride. And the BDL Club, the BDC 2100, one of my favorite bars in the Roseville slash St. Paul, Minnesota area. The BDL Club's located in the corner of County Road B and Dale, and their motto is a place for family, a place for friends, a place for fun, and that is a stone cold truth. Last night did the first trivia night. I've never done it before. Been studying under Teresa at Balsam Lake Brewery, and uh, went great. Did a big night. Lots of people there. Looking forward to next month, too. Uh, Natalie Shelley, Dustin Tire Bar Staff, all state-of-the-art cocktail wizards. As of late, my libation of choice is the classic screw-up Tony from Shoreview's Recipe. Another quote, 16-time world champion Ric Flair, Tasty Little Devils. Live music, pool table, pull tabs. Tuesday night, Chess Society, Bingo, Meat Raffle, Bocce Ball. Thursdays and much, much more. B-Dell's got it all. Stop it for a cold one. Now... Next up, I speak with Bryn Andre about her new album, Honeymoon. Afterwards, hear the title track. Bryn Andre, welcome to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. How's it going today there, Bryn? Going great. I'm happy to be here. So you're coming, you have a studio in your house? I have, yeah, I have kind of a home studio set up where I do, this is a new development for me in music in the last 10 years. Prior to that, I was singer-songwriter, piano, vocals, that's all I had. But a big part of like the last decade for me was um, not being afraid of the sound and the engineering and the production of it all. So now I actually, if I, ha- if I have an idea, I can take it from my head and get it into the laptop, essentially. And I still work with a producer, but yeah, I'm, I would consider myself now, I have like, a, I'm an amateur producer. So it wasn't Pro Tools you use. Well, and I use, personally, I use uh, GarageBand. What do you, you, what was it again? You said Sal or something? No, it's Ableton. Ableton. Ableton, yes. But yeah, it's it's a Pro Tools, GarageBand, you know, comparison. Um, the reason, so before I even, so I hadn't really used any DAW and I knew I wanted to learn that aspect of music. And so I looked up actual training facilities and schools in the Minneapolis area and Slam Academy came up and they are an Ableton certified training facility. And so that's how I ended up in Ableton. And it's funny because it's primarily used by like a lot of electronic producers, dubstep and DJs and hip hop. And so I was like going to school with all these people in those genres of music, which I found to be really fun. So it was kind of, it was, it, it's been a really fun journey. So I actually went to class like every Wednesday night and learned how to use a DAW. So Ableton is all I know. What did they tell you that was the big difference between Ableton and Pro Tools? So Ableton is meant for like live performing in a more improvisational way, I think is probably the biggest difference. So instead of you open it up and I think this is the way with guitar uh, 
or GarageBand is you see it like left to right in a linear fashion. Whereas with Ableton, you you can see it that way, but you look at it more in like a mixer view where it's, um, you can just like hit clips and hit a beat and then hit something else here and like improvise. So instead of like the left to right view, it's a little bit more of a vertical view. There's a lot more to it. It's a, I think it's a German company. So there's like a lot of Ableton obsessed people out there, which is great. So um, I'm happy to be, I'm happy of all the DAWs that like I've sort of fell into. Ableton seems like it's been a good fit, especially for the live performing aspect of it. Yeah. So I was listening to your record Honeymoon this morning and there is Mm -hmm. all, I've made notes that lots of cool rhythms and beats. Did you, were you influenced by a lot of the folks you were working with taking these Ableton classes and that, that trickle into your music? I don't think necessarily my classmates, but I do think learning, um, so uh, yes, I think learning Ableton and then also my tastes in music, I really like like synthesizers and electronic beats. And I like particularly when those are combined with more organic sounds. Like one of my favorite artists is Matt Carney because he, he has a lot of those electronic beats, but then he's really playing like an earthy guitar. And I think the combination of those those sounds is really interesting and appealing to me. And so because of Ableton, I... I was able to access at my fingertips a lot more kind of just built into the product. There's a lot more of those hip hop style or electronic style EDM beats. And, and those have been so inspiring to me. Like if, if I hear a really cool beat, I can write lyrics to it almost immediately. So it really like completely up leveled. It, it really changed the way that I was writing music. Cause I, I've been writing songs since I was like 12. And so I, it was just me and my piano. So I was getting bored. I was like, oh, you've written that song before. <laughs> so this was my way. I completely got out of my well-worn neural pathways of writing music. So, And I'm happy to be talking about this because I don't think a lot of people know this about my journey, which is um, I do have a studio. I do produce music. And pe- people who don't really know about music don't really know what that means. But when I'm on stage, people will see because I have like a different setup. There's the laptop involved. And instead of just a piano sound, now I can bring beats and I can bring the whole thing all by myself just with a, my MIDI keyboard, which um, then they'll be able to see like, oh, okay, things are a lot bigger and more interesting not to say i don't i love a solo show but there's just a lot more you can do with with ableton with these technologies to bring a full interesting sound to the stage yeah that is interesting very cool so you talked about working with a producer so do you track like your vocals and keyboards right there with your stuff and you send it to like what what's your interaction with a producer a lot of folks would like work with bands or they look at producer someone that's paying for it but like what's your is your producers like you guys work hand in hand right on the tracks whatever right can you explain how what it's like to work with a producer and who who it is that you worked with yeah, so I worked with Matt Patrick, and he is in Minneapolis at the amazing and beautiful library studio, best studio I've been to. And so I had worked with him before in my 20s, and that was before I really had the capabilities that I have now. And it that, it was more traditional, where I went in there, went physically to the studio, played the song that I had written for him on his piano, and like did it live for him. And then we started from there and, you know, did a scratch take of the vocal on the piano, and then we build it up together. And then for for those experiences, he would actually bring in session musicians, and it would be what you, I think, expect of in your head of like what recording is. My recording experience this time around for Honeymoon was I... I showed up to, so I knew that I was going to do this 
project. And so almost all the songs were ready and I brought them. So I met him at the studio and, but actually brought like MP3s with me or like I brought audio files with me of like, here's what I'm thinking. And instead of me just singing it, I'd be like, no, here's a synth, here's a beat here. And some of the songs I would say, I've been saying it, were like 50% of the way there. Some were 80% of the way there, but I was able to bring it to him and he loved it because it was inspiring to him to have more of to have more of a fleshed out idea that he could build upon and then he would take it and put it basically put it in his pro tools so i would take it from ableton get it on my computer and then he would get it in pro tools and then really take it to the finish line in a way that i never ever ever could have done and um in the vocals and stuff we do like a scratch track live in the studio and then on a separate day we do live vocals but there was so there most of the sounds you're going to hear on the record are actually um the lot we did live drums but a lot like live pianos but the rest of it like the synths and a lot of the stuff are coming straight from Ableton so which I love like I said I like the the combination of live and synthetic sounds so by taking it to the finish line, like you're saying, what was the main thing he did? Like, would he like adjust, like have a key change here? Let's have a stop here. Let's add a little drum thing here. What's a primarily what he did? Sometimes it was, so he would add depth. That's a big thing that he would add. So I would come in and, and I would have, okay, I have the piano. I have a synth. I have a beat. I have all the lyrics. I have all the singing and and to me, I mean, to somebody it might have sounded good, but to me it sounded thin and not quite at that pro level because I love really good sounding music, right? Like I, th- I want it to be radio ready. I want it to sound like it could be on a billboard chart. So he is that level of producer where he can take it to that radio ready. And sometimes that means like instead of having one sound of synths, it's like five and they're coming in at different points, but it's all very well balanced and well curated. He's also extremely good at transitions. So, and that's something I haven't mastered yet, which is like, okay, we're going from the verse to the chorus. Let's add, like you said, a dramatic stop, or let's take the sound and kind of like flip it around. And, and those transitions really turn it into that like radio ready, compelling song that you're going to like really be drawn into. So yeah, he just, He's an incredible veteran and has so many years of true producing under his belt that I was able to um, keep what I brought in there, keep the the feeling and the vibe I was going for the songs, but then he took it to just like the stratosphere. Nice. What made you want to do this record and release it in 2023 if you haven't done one since 2010? Yeah, I sort of music haunts me that's what I've been saying I always play music I mean in this room I probably have seven keyboards I'm just always my husband's always like oh we're adding more keyboards to the fleet so there's always music happening in my household there's always writing of songs happening but they're just the actual act of recording and performing live I hadn't been doing got married had kids I have twin daughters that are three so I was very busy I'm very busy but thing with music and I sometimes I wish I had a different hobby but you don't get that full payoff of writing uh, of the songs that you write until you really get them recorded and play them live so there was a huge part of like the whole journey that was missing for me and and then there's also like a lot of voices in my head that had were saying like uh is it is music just like a thing that you used to do and is now that you have kids like it's going to be in the rear view and I really didn't like that and I didn't like that example for my kids I think 
we should all have passions. And so it was sort of like an act of defiance and an act of revolution. And honestly, like I said, if I'm not playing music, I just feel out of balance. And so I was like, let's just do it. I'm just going to keep thinking I should be doing it. So I'd rather just get in there and do it. And then I'll feel that relief. So nice. Do you have any more shows coming up besides your Bryant Lake Bowl CD release show? I do. And that's the next thing I'm really excited about, which is I have all this new music that I have not been have not played live. And so I have, I'm having shows lined up. I have two more. So on August 30th, I'll be playing a happy hour at Highland Hills, which is the ski area in Bloomington in the Minnesota area, Minneapolis area. And that's an outdoor show on the patio. Um, and I think that will be really fun. And then on November 4th, I will be playing in St. Cloud at the veranda. I think it's called the veranda lounge and more to come. I'm I'm excited. My previous release, I had already played a lot of those shows live before the release show, so I was sort of like bored with them, or I don't know. I mean, I think you're a music. You said you're a musician, and um, I think I even heard some of your stuff. But I don't know how you feel. Where do you like to play your songs over and over again, or do you crave kind of playing new things? So, so I am so excited to be out and like playing the new songs that I've written. Yeah, I'm more. Yeah, I like to play new stuff. For I, I play a lot of just covers because I get sick of my own mm-hmm. stuff anyway. I get sick of what I was said ten years ago. You know. Yes, I completely agree. So I'm, and also just the way that I play now is so different than I used to play. Like I said, I I used to play just piano and vocals, and now I can really command a stage, and I don't have to have a full band. That was it's hard to have a full band. It's hard to get pe- coordinate people to practice, and then when you have kids, like get real, that's not going to happen. It's just so difficult to coordinate. So now basically I have a full band, but I don't have to include anyone, which is my dream. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> that's pretty much what I do as well. Um, so I'm going to ask you about yeah. a few of the tracks on the record and you can tell us like the story behind the song lyrically or recording wise. Yes. How about the song Honeymoon? Honeymoon. So that was, it's one of my first just unabashedly happy and joyful songs that I've ever written. And I I really went into it with a feeling of, I just want to write a song that feels really good to listen to. And I think that is an art. And I, I'm so proud of how it turned out. It's just, it feels like you're listening. It feels like a honeymoon for your ears. That's, that's when my producer finished it. That was my feedback. I was like, yes, that's what I was going for. And it started with I was creating some sounds in my laptop and I came up with this this synth sound that almost was like a steel drum and almost like you were in Jamaica or something. And I was like, ooh, this is this is a fun vacation vibe sound. And that's that's it started with the sound and the whole thing um, fell into place after. So I, I I think there's a discipline to writing like really easy and easy pop music that's easy to, and good to listen to, but still keeps your attention and isn't cheesy and i feel like we we nailed it on that one for sure my favorite is good time oh yeah everybody it's kind of like harry styles kind of poppy catchy (laughs) thing talking about aging too and I, i can definitely relate to that so what's the story with good time yeah, so that one was was probably the fastest song I've ever written. I wrote it in 20 minutes because I had like a time limit. My kids had childcare for like not that long, so I was like, "All right, we're and I was um outside next to a pool, which was is good. So all things were aligning and I again, I had some cool sounds, some 80s sounds that I had pulled, just some samples. 
And it was just really inspiring. But but there was also this internal, like, the lyrics came about because this was about a year ago. So my girls were like uh, a year and a half. And like that age is just, you're like, okay, I'm really a parent. Like this is not going away. They're here. They're literally not going to go anywhere. And my life is so different and I feel so tired. And, but I also long for my old life. So it was, it's this kind of song about, I, I'm still young, right? But also I'm tired, but I can still have fun and life is beautiful, but I'm a parent and just kind of like, um, just embracing embracing the fun part of it and it's nostalgic awesome i just got one more how about canyon heart oh canyon heart is one that was interesting i wrote it i think in 2019 and then a lot of times if i write a song i it's done it's dead to me but i felt like this song didn't get the love it deserved so i was like i'm gonna pulled this song back out and I basically wrote like a second half to it. And it's, it ended up being one of my favorite songs on the album. It's kind of about feeling like you're unlovable, but then finally meeting somebody that makes you realize you are lovable, even with all the, maybe the things, the baggage that you're bringing into the scenario. And um, I wanted it to really sound like a, like early nineties, like Don Henley lot like rich synthesizers and um i think we we pulled it off and so it's just kind of like soothing and a very romantic song nice what are your social media websites stuff like that if people want to check you out yeah so it's brynandre.com b-r-y-n-n-a-n-d-r-e and then at brynandre on instagram and then just look brynandre music on facebook um and then i have youtube as well so just look there and yeah, so I'm on the I'm on the social media doing the doing the thing, even though I'm a tired mom. <laughs>
Like Christmas on the beach An island daydream Oh baby you Will always be My honeymoon My Bringing home this week's episode of the Minnesota Music Shakedown is another new song by one of the featured guests this week, Bryn Andre, with another song called Good Time. Big thanks to Andrew Crowley from Organica Recording for assisting in post-production. This has been the Minnesota Music Shakedown. If they toss a buck or two in this podcast tip jar, please go to patreon.com forward slash Music. If you like what I do, check out my website, MarkStereMusic.com. For artist or song submissions, please email me at MarkStereMusic at gmail.com or message me on social media. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time. So run down That's enough Call the babysitter And the Uber back car We'll go into the city Let's go where we used to go The two for one bar With the bad liquor They say age is just a number But it's easy to say that When you're younger I'm too old for this pop music But I'm really not ready to die So let's hold Say hi, he wet 
staring dad's mowing the lawn like he's our hero Hold on to this life of simple miracles Sunrise to sunset, this is what we get This is what we get